0: All right, as you're turning to Ezekiel chapter 36, I wanna give you a recap. If you weren't here last week, we started the series off uh, really just looking at who the Holy Spirit is. And uh, if you were here, then you remember me, I said that the Holy Spirit is a person. And that's very important for us to know because a lot of us view the Holy Spirit as just sign you know some mystical force you know kind of like Star Wars and and uh, you know just the force be with you you know and we don't know what that means but you know it's cool when the force shows up and know uh, the Holy Spirit according to uh, John 14 15 and 16 which I encourage you to read through those chapters is a person and why that's important is because that means you can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and uh, that means you can get up in the morning and say good morning Holy Spirit and that won't be weird although it seems weird because you're not used to saying that you're not used to communicating with the Holy Spirit but I'm just here to tell you it wouldn't be weird you'd be talking to God God the Holy Spirit and so we need to kind of break the cultural you know uh, just false ideas about the Holy Spirit we looked at the fact that he's a person and then we just said, "Look, he's God. It's important for us to know he's not less than. Uh, it's actually God, the Holy Spirit." And then our last point last week was that he's a person. He's God, and he's not weird. And why why that's important for us is because a lot of people are scared to surrender themselves fully over to the Holy Spirit because you think he's going to make you weird. You think he's going to make you do something crazy. And, and, and I'm just telling you guys that the Holy Spirit is God and he's not going to turn you into some kind of weird person and, you know, make you do something crazy that, you know, no, he, he, he's going to point you to Jesus. He's going to fill you with power and he's going to help you accomplish everything that God's called you to do. That's good stuff right there. And I told you last week, if, you know, a lot of people that we've seen on TV or in other places that... That are weird and have the Holy Spirit would be weird without the Holy Spirit and so let's just let them be weird and not just say that the Holy Spirit is that way are you with me today all right, so week two, we are uh, today. We're going to talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to lay another week of foundation. We're going to get into some scripture today, and uh, I, I just feel like it's very important for us um, to, to lay a really solid foundation on the Holy Spirit. And then in the following coming weeks, I'm going to talk about how to hear the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about the individual gifts of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like practically today, and uh, and really bring it home to us. And uh, and so that's coming. But today, I needed another week to kind of talk to you biblically, theologically about uh, the Holy Spirit, especially the promise of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look from Old Testament uh, all the way and weave all the way into the New Testament uh, until we get to the fulfillment, which is in Acts 2. Did you know that the Holy Spirit actually was awake and alive in the Old Testament too? He wasn't taking a nap. He was actually there. And uh, and so You know, as we begin, uh, I just want to say this to define kind of uh, major roles between Christ, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And let me say it this way. Jesus, uh, his primary uh, role is to give us right standing with God. So that's what he, 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 he came, he, he died, so that we could be made right with God. The Holy Spirit's role is to empower us to right living. So Jesus, right standing, Holy Spirit, right living. You could say it this way, the cross gives us our identity, and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live out our identity. Let me show this to you in Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, in verse number 27. It says this, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now, I want us to look at this verse again, because I want to show you something. Thousands of years ago, this prophetic verse was written, and it says this, there's coming a day. There's a promise that is coming. And when that day comes, when the fulfillment of this promise comes, I'm going to put my spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, not just upon you, but in you, within you. And he's going to remain in you. And this is the good part, guys. And cause you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Why is this important? He doesn't say, I'm going to put my spirit in you and then I'm going to encourage you to do what's right. I'm going to put my spirit in you and then I'm going to make sure, I'm going to be right there to to make sure that I'm watching you. Keeping a list and checking it twice. He says, I'm going to put my spirit within you and my spirit is going to empower you actually to cause you to walk in his statutes and obey. In other words, in the New Testament, it says this, that his, his laws and commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because... God is inside of us. We just need to learn how to activate and walk in the fulfillment and the empowerment that's already inside of us. Are you with me today? All right, let's look at the Holy Spirit's role throughout the Old Testament as we build a little groundwork uh, this morning. We see the Holy Spirit. There was a cloud by day. The cloud represented the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, it was the presence of God. It dwelt with the children of Israel. We see in the tent of meeting, uh, there was uh, the presence. The, the, the Spirit was there right in the middle of the camp. And then we, we see uh, in the tabernacle, when they built the tabernacle, uh, in the temple, The in the middle of the temple behind the veil was the presence of God. Of God, and so we see all throughout the Old Testament um, that the Spirit of God was there and at times He would actually come upon certain individuals so that they could accomplish certain things that without his help they couldn't do and Then to go even further there were a few individuals where it says the Holy Spirit actually came inside of them for a, a, a specific time we see in the life of Joseph Joseph it says that the spirit of God came inside of him. Well, if you know the story of Joseph, you know that God had a big assignment on his life. And so and so he needed to make sure that he had the power to carry out that assignment. Look at when we look at the life of Joshua. The Bible says that Joshua was filled with the Holy Spirit there was a season where the Spirit of God came inside of him well we know this about Joshua Joshua was the very one who took over for Moses and led the children of Israel into the promised land so he had a big task I want you to see this thread he had a big assignment a big calling and so for God to make sure that this calling could be fulfilled he put his spirit inside of him all right well what about Daniel Daniel, and we know the story of uh, Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel, it said that the Spirit of God came inside of Daniel, and Daniel had the boldness to stand up in the face of resistance and say, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not bowing to your God. I will not bow to anyone but the true God. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. So we see early on in the Old Testament, the Spirit moving on certain individuals. And they needed boldness and power to accomplish great things. You see where I'm going with this? Let me explain to you, give you an illustration of what this looks like, the difference between maybe the Old Testament where the Spirit was with them and today in the promise of, of the, the fulfillment of the promise, the Spirit inside of us. In, uh, in 1953... In Egypt, uh, the Nile River, which for thousands of years, by the way, uh, really um, just brought life to, to a lot of people. And there's songs written about the Nile, people, you know, it just was a place representation of life, and, and, and there were trees and green. And, and so, uh, but in 1953, they, they came and they, they began construction on what is now today called the Aswan High Dam. This construction was started in 1953 and this sucker took almost 20 years to build. Almost 20 years to build. And during the process, they knew that they couldn't fully dry the river up, so they had to let some water continue to trickle in. And, and, and you, listen, there were complaints and there were people saying, I, I can't believe that you guys are doing this. You're, you're drying up our life source. We need this water. And, and, and hundreds and thousands of people are uh, dependent upon this. And so there was a lot of uproar. There was uproar until 1971, when they released. They they opened this thing up, and what they didn't realize is that in this uh, in this dam there were 12 turbines, uh, capable of 10 billion kilowatt per hour capacity. In other words, this thing was was strong enough to light up every city in Egypt. So now what we had, see, we before we had this trickle, this stream, and people were like, oh, this is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always been. But now you have this energy source that is capable of something so much greater. Why am I saying that? Listen, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit takes the church, takes you and I from a little trickle of a stream to now having the ability inside of us to light up a region. And listen, to really give us global impact. That's why, if you've been around here very long, man, my tune hasn't changed. I am 100% confident that we can affect Pinellas County and beyond, and I'm not saying that to hype anybody up. Why? Because we have God, the Holy Spirit, inside of us. We have the call of God on us, and so the only thing to block that is our unbelief. So what we want to do today is remove the unbelief, remove the the blocks, and uh, allow allow the energy of this thing, the, the, the 12 turbines to do what they can do. So we see the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament. Turn with me now to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. And uh, if if you grew up Pentecostal, you, uh, you've heard this uh, chapter preached a lot of times or charismatic or whatever. If you grew up like me, Baptist or, you know, traditional, you may have never even heard that. You didn't even know this was in the Bible. You know, we, don't, we don't talk about that. There's a lot of other good verses of Scripture to preach on. We don't need Acts 2. It's weird. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But we're going to make sense of it today. And we're going to understand that uh, this was the fulfillment, simply, the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 1. It says this. Are you there, by the way? Acts one, It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived. When the day of Pentecost arrived. What is Pentecost? The word Pentecost does not mean charismatic Pentecostal. The word, it's not a crazy word. You don't have to be scared of this word. The word Pentecost means 50th. The word penta means five, where we get our word pentagram, and, and cost on the end of that is to the 10th power. So now you have this word that just means 50th. And so this was Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, was uh, the, the fulfillment, the celebration of the giving of the law. And it was 50 days after Passover. And what they would actually do is they would take a loaf of unleavened bread in the morning after the Sabbath, and they would go out and they would actually wave it before the Lord as a a sign of the coming harvest, as a sign of the harvest that was to come. This is so cool. I want to show you this this picture, um, is that the same time where they are waving this, this this praise offering for what hasn't even come yet. At the same time, they're killing a spotless lamb. So in one picture here at Pentecost, we see typified the death and the atoning work of Jesus Christ and the fulfilling of the power of the coming of the Holy Spirit. All in one place. So they would take a loaf and they would wave it. And uh, this this was what Pentecost... Was, and it says, and so the day of Pentecost arrived, and they were all together in one place. And suddenly, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What do we have here? What we have here is not crazy. It's simply a fulfillment. It is a promise from God to empower us and come inside of us. So in in the remaining moments that we have today, this morning, I want to share with you two purposes for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Remember I said In the coming weeks, we're going to dive into the different gifts, so hang on if you're like, yeah, but why are you, you know, just hang with me, okay? I need to lay a little bit of groundwork, and I think it's really going to help us as we go into the future weeks. So two purposes, and I think there there are more, but I think these are the major purposes for the promise of the Holy Spirit. You and I You and I having the indwellment of the Holy Spirit. Number one, number one reason is relational, and number two is missional. So we have relational, and then we have missional. Let's start and look at what I mean when I say that the purpose is a purpose of relationship. All through the Bible, God's desire from the garden all the way through was intimacy with you and I. Turn with me to Exodus 25, let me show it to you, and verse 8. Exodus 25, 8 says this, and let them make me a sanctuary so that they're going to praise me really loud and do all the things that I tell them to do, And, and let them build me a sanctuary because God's Heart, even back then, was that I may dwell in their midst. God wanted to be in the midst of his people. And we see the fulfillment of this in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 16, where it says that for we are the temple of the living God. What agreement has the temple of God with idols for? We are the temple. What what am I saying? In the Old Testament, the best he could do, because Christ had not come yet, the best he could do was dwell in their midst to be in the middle of them. But Jesus came, made a sacrifice once and for all, and provided a way for him to now, come on, the, the the ultimate communion is now that he is not just with us, but he's in us. My heart for us, church, this is all I'm saying, is that I know that the truth and the theological truth of this, we all agree to. All of us, if you're a Christian and you've been in church, you would say, yeah, he lives in me. The practical, like, living this out is where we trip. And understanding what this looks like on a day-to-day basis to know that, wait a minute, I don't have to strive towards him. He's already inside of me. He's wanted to dwell. Listen, the other day I was in my office preparing. I was preparing for you, had my door pretty much closed right here in the office. And, uh, you know, my, my staff knows like certain times where I'm praying and I'm, I'm preparing for you and, and just sermon preparation. And, uh, you know, there's, there is one person who doesn't really care what time it is and doesn't really care. If I'm in sermon preparation and she's almost two years old and her name is Selah. And this is my youngest daughter. My wife had come down to the church and uh, all of a sudden I, you know, I'm I'm like mid prayer. Right. I'm just in the I'm, I'm in the glory. Right. I'm just like, Lord, you know, all of a sudden I hear these little feet. Right. And then my door just swings open and this little two year old girl just runs in into my office. She didn't even ask if she could come in, by the way. I mean, she didn't even knock. She didn't say, are you doing something busy? Uh, Is this a good time? Should I come back later? She didn't care about any of that. She busted right up in there, ran all up on my lap, all on my Bible. I had to get all the stuff off my lap. And she bear hugs me around my neck and says, Dada. Now, do you know that in that moment, I could have cared less about sermon preparation? I didn't care about y'all one bit. I was that can wait. At this moment, man, she's just now big enough to where she's really she she likes the squeeze hugs, man. You know, the ones that she thinks are like gonna choke me to death, but really it's just cute. But she's like, you know, she's squeezing me around the neck, and man, I just sat there on my couch and I melted. Why? Because that's so important to me. It's so valuable just to, to be with my kids. And I'm just here to tell you that this is God's heart for us that we understand that part of the promise of the Holy Spirit is not so we can get stuff done, but I'm telling you primarily, it's so that He could commune with you, and so that you could know that He's with you at all times, and we can have an intimate relationship with Him, so that we can abide with Him, and abide in Him, and receive all that He has for us. This is good news for us, church. This is really good news, that God sent the promise of the Spirit so that He could break the walls of division, and so that he could, he could have personal, personal access to us at all times. It's interesting we see that, you know, Jesus tears the veil. Uh, you know, when, when, when Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil was torn. And this, again, just, just typifies uh, that relationship, that open access that we now have with God. And I I believe that this is the greatest news of all time, but not everybody sees it that way. I was in Starbucks not long ago, and I was talking to a guy, and the Lord just told me to go talk to him and sat down. And by the way, I I went over to this guy's table, and uh, knowing that I I felt like God wanted me to talk to him, but did you know that I didn't scream at him, and uh, I didn't slap him over the head with my Bible? As a matter of fact, I wasn't weird at all. I was quite normal. I was actually polite with the guy. I, was, I, I said, do you mind if I have a seat for a second? I didn't walk up to him and get right in his face and say, Jesus has a word of God for you. <laughs> See, some of y'all think y'all got to get all crazy and act different. You don't, you can be full of the confidence and the power of the Holy Spirit and just let God use you. And many times it's in our weirdness that people are like, I don't know. Uh-uh. But man, when, when somebody sees somebody who's just normal but confident and full of something different and they sense that on you, man, all of a sudden God opens them up. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking to this guy and I, I just begin to ask him you know, about himself. So I feel like God wanted me to come pray for you. He said, well, I, I'm an atheist. I well, didn't scare me away. So I just began to, you know, I didn't come down on him right then. Do you know that atheists are going to burn in hell? Give mean, with me. No, I just, I wanted to hear. Like, tell me your story, man. I just, tell me who you are. Tell me your story. And he began to talk to me. And he just, what I realized is that this guy had come to the place, he'd gone to church when he was a kid. He'd come to the place where, where he realized that, that he could not serve a God that would send people to hell because they didn't choose him. And so he said to me, how can you serve a God that if someone says I'm not going to believe this would send them to hell? And I said, do you mind if I share another perspective with you? He said, sure. I said, this is just the way that I happen to see it. You see, you and I, have all we have both sinned, and we have committed things that, that have put a division between us and God. And God so actually loved the world that he sent his own son to, to, to die in our place. So what does that mean for us? That means that he's removed every barrier. Every single barrier that was there is gone. Now we have open access to eternity with our creator. I said, and I think that's good news. Do you see how it can be bad or good depending on how you look at it? And I just said, I think God desires to know you, he loves you, and he made a way for you. This is his purpose. This is his purpose. And I'd love to tell you that he sat there and repented and cried and gave his life to Jesus, but he didn't. But that's okay, but I planted a seed. And the point is, is that I want people to realize that God is not about creating division and, and punishment. No, God is about creating unity and pouring his love out upon us. Relational. purpose of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit is relational. And lastly, this it, it's missional. And I think this is probably the most important one. You see, when we talk about especially charismatics. When we talk about acts and the gifts of the Spirit, you know, people from charismatic backgrounds get excited. We like to show off how many gifts that we have and, and how expressive we are in our gifts, and, and we like to show the church. But I'm just here to tell you that when you read the book of Acts, it had nothing to do with that and it had everything to do with Jesus telling these scared disciples, it's better that I go because I'm going to send the Spirit of God and when he comes inside of you, you will have the power to continue what I started. It wasn't so that you could dance around and jump real loud and shout and fall over and do whatever else you... No, no, no. It was to fill you with power to make a difference in this world and to advance the kingdom of God. That's it. Missional. Very missional. I want to show you the difference here between what happened at Acts 2 and something that happened in Exodus 32. I think it's it's a pretty powerful parallel. In Exodus chapter 32, you have Moses who's called up on the mountain to be with God, and he's given the law, but there were some instructions with that. And God said, uh, leave the rest of everybody down at the bottom of, of the mountain. And, he, and so, you know, millions of people left. Moses goes up, and the people are looking up onto the mountain, and all of a the sudden, there's this, this, this cloud that... Engulfs the mountain and then they hear this loud sound and then they see fire on the mountain It's interesting because God said you need to tell the people that they can't come up here For the moment that they strive to come up to me they will die And I want to show you something on the day the law was given acts or Exodus chapter 32 up on the mountain, you had, you had a cloud, you had fire, and you had 3,000 people that died. Fast forward to Acts chapter 2, the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of the, the, the promise of the Spirit. You have a cloud, you have tongues of fire, and you have 3,000 people who get saved. What is this saying to us? It's saying that If you try to to attain and strive towards God, you will find death. But if you receive what he's already done for you in the new covenant, you will find life. And listen, listen, you and I, we have a choice. You will either live your life from Exodus 32 or from Acts 2. You get that choice. One is a life of striving. One is a life of trying to reach towards God. And one, listen, in Acts 2, he said, you don't have to come to me. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. All you have to do is receive. All you have to do is open yourself up and receive. And if you do, the moment you do, you will find life, not death. So we have a choice today, church. Are we going to live towards something? Striving towards God, trying to impress God, trying to impress church people, putting on our church smile every Sunday, feeling defeated, feeling condemned, and just trying to, you know, white-knuckle this Christianity? We're going to find death if we do that. But if we live from the finished work of Christ, come on, this is good news for somebody. If we live from what has already happened, the finished work of Jesus, and I'm not striving anymore. I'm not climbing the mountain anymore. I'm simply receiving what Jesus did for me and the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you guys, we're going to find life. We will find life. Let me illustrate it this way as we close today. I was, uh, in, I was in the military for four years, and I had the privilege of shooting some pretty fun guns. And, uh, man, some machine guns, some, you know, 50 caliber guns, Uh, shotguns, you know, just the whole deal. And, And so I understand, though, the purpose of those guns. I was thinking about it this week, and I was thinking, if you could imagine like an army ranger who's just about to be sent out to battle, and the army ranger is with his commander and and, and his people, and and the commander comes in and brings the weapons and brings the guns and brings the the grenades and everything that this team is going to need to go out and win the battle. This is what you tell me, what the commander would think if this, if this happened this way. I got all these guns now, and so now I have, I have this amazing gun, and, and, and I've, given, I've been given my orders, it's time to go, and I say, hey, you guys go on ahead. You got, but before you do, I wanna, I wanna make sure you see all this stuff. Do you see my, and actually, hey, I got a better gun than you, by the way. I'm, not, I'm just saying, I'm just pointing it out. And, and by the way, I got six grenades, you got four, woo! And and man, mine's a little bit more polished than yours. Hey, you know what? Just keep, keep working on yours as you're out there in the battlefield. Just keep polishing it up. Maybe one day you'll get as, as shiny as mine. And as they're going out the door, this guy's just saying, see you guys later. What do you think the commander would do? He would say, bro, like, get your butt out there. You think I gave you these weapons so that you could sit around with your buddies and talk about how cool they are? And yet, don't we do this? Come on as it relates to the church and spiritual gifts a lot of times. We, we think that this is our moment to be flashy and, and we've seen it and, and you've seen it in different people and ministries and TV people and it's like, I'm, I'm here and I just want you to know how shiny my weapons are. And I'm here to tell you and I'm telling myself, I could care less what gifts you have If when you go out there, you look like everybody else. (laughs) I already patted myself on the back this morning. You don't have to amen me. I'm just telling you. We have to begin to see the role of the Holy Spirit. Are there expressive manifestational gifts? Yes but are they primarily for us to use out there? Yes. You think God equipped all of us with a bunch of weapons so that we could stand around in the the bunk room on base, talk about how cool our weapons are? Make no mistake, he's given us the power that we need to accomplish everything he's called us to do. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. In closing today, this is all I want to say to you because some of you are saying, "Man, that sounds cool. You know, that sounds great. It's probably not for me though. I don't have that history. I don't have that background. I didn't come from this kind of thing, man. And I'm just, I, I, I like to just observe. Well, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let the word of God come against that thought." Acts chapter two and verse thirty-nine. I just want to put that up for the promise, the fulfillment, the long-awaited promise. Of the Holy Spirit is for the pastors, is for leaders. What does it say? Somebody say me. (laughs) For the promise is for you and for your children, and for everyone who's far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. The gift and the promise and the power of the fulfilling Holy Spirit is for you. Yeah, you too, you too. You too, all of us in here, God has called to come up higher. That's what we're doing through this series. God wants to equip the church and send us out. Come on, and we're gonna see a region change. You know why? Because we're not operating from a little trickle stream anymore. Man, we got 12 turbines turning inside of us, and all of us together under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit are going to see lives change. It's already happening. It's already happening. As a matter of fact, we are strategizing as a leadership team to say, how can we get all of the testimonies from you that are happening? Lives being changed. People are being healed. marriages being put, put back together. I hear testimonies in the, every single week, and I'm like, we've got to document this stuff and share it with people. God's moving, church, and I want you to be part of it. How many of you want to be part of it? Would you pray with me? Father, we love you so much. Thank you for who you are. Lord God, I thank you for every person in this room, no matter what background they come from. does not matter what background. Lord, let the Holy Spirit stir our hearts today. Stir every single heart in this place. Lord, we thank you that you paid a a high price on the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven, but you didn't stop there. You gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit and Lord every single day we can wake up and we can receive strength and power and grace and peace so that we can accomplish every single thing that you've set out for us to do. We give you thanks for that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if there would be one person in this room, one person, even one. Say, man, I, God has been knocking on my heart, and I don't even really know what to do. But I'm ready to give my life to Him. I I need to pray with you. Don't walk out of here without making sure that you know that you know that Jesus loves you. If that's you, would you look up at me and just wave? I want to pray with you. Anyone at all? It so says I'm ready. Amen. Anyone else? This is what I want us to do, and and. Those of you watching, those of you watching right now, I believe God's even stirring some of you, no matter where you are, whether you're watching, uh, you know, in your house, does not matter. I want us to pray this prayer together. I'm gonna say, Jesus, come on, let's say it all together. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me and on the third day was raised from the dead. And today I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins and fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit I give my life to you well let's say that again I give my life to you in the mighty name of Jesus amen and amen come on let's give God some praise for those who've made decisions you guys stand with us this morning as we sing